0: It's Amy's Table, a girl's guide to living with Amy Tobin on Q102. Pull up a chair and join us.
1: Consider what it would be like trying to have a productive conversation with an angry inmate serving a life sentence at a maximum security prison. Life-threatening at worst, unpleasant at best. But my guest today, Doug Knoll, has been in exactly that situation as well as many more high-tension confrontations and has deduced precisely how to bring that conversation back in line respectfully and productively in under two minutes. And he's joining me today on Amy's Table to talk about his highly anticipated book, De-Escalate, How to Calm an Angry Person in 90 Seconds or Less. Welcome, Douglas.
0: Hi, Amy, how are you today?
1: I am great. I can only imagine the first little description, you know, of you having that kind of a conversation with someone and worse, how you can keep your cool, let alone de-escalate a situation.
0: It is an amazing set of skills and uh, I've developed them by accident as a mediator. I'm a professional mediator, among other things, and I, I discovered this technique when I was de-escalating a, a divorce couple who were arguing over an $18,000 problem, and they'd spent $50,000 in attorney's fees.
1: Oh, uh, Lord. And they I, were probably I mean, they were probably as bad as the inmate.
0: Oh, worse. <laughs> oh, they were worse. I mean, but anyways, what happened was I finally, the idea came to me to have them focus on, their, on how each other was experiencing emotion rather than on the words. I told them, ignore the words, pay attention to the emotions. And within 10 minutes, The whole thing had calmed down. Uh, The ex-husband had his hand in his head head, and was sobbing and said, that's the first time you've listened to me in 25 years. Uh, And he settled it five minutes later. And I said, what the heck just happened? Well, I really didn't know what I'd done until three or four years later when I ran across a research study by neuroscientist Matthew Lieberman, who had studied this effect on the human brain. And I said, that's what's going on. So I, I've been a lay student of, the neuros- of neuroscience and peacemaking and conflict since the 1990s. I read the study, began to develop skills, and then uh, when the Prison at Peace Project started with my colleague, Laurel Copper and I, in 2010, this became a foundational skill we used in prison. And we thought, if we can teach murderers to be peacemakers, if we can teach people who are serving life sentences to calm down violent situations in prison, this will work anyway. And it worked.
1: That is amazing. That is
0: amazing. Yeah, we're in nine prisons. We train thousands of inmates in these skills. And some of the most violent prisons in California have been completely quieted down because the inmates have learned these skills and they're using them on a daily basis.
1: So did they, does about. that help them to, are they paroled sooner? I mean, I'm sure that yeah, I can yeah. see this just being a ripple it's, effect.
0: It's amazing. Well, it's a huge ripple effect. And the parole board now recognizes the value of prison at peace training. Uh, The woman who actually started this by writing us a letter asking us to come in and train lifers back in 2009 uh, was the first woman serving a life sentence without possibility of parole to receive a letter of clemency from Governor Brown, and she'll probably be released this fall.
1: Wow. Wow. And that's all
0: because, because of Prison of Peace. People are seeing the effects of this. So I wrote the book because... Inmates were coming to me and saying, hey, if I'd had these skills 20 years ago, I wouldn't be here right now. Well, after you hear a couple of hundred statements like that, the light bulb goes on and say, gee, maybe a lot of people could use these skills. Sure. I've taken them them into schools. I've taught them to judges and lawyers and mediators and just regular people how you can deescalate a family member or an elderly parent or a kid in 90 seconds or less using some very simple Simple to describe, not so easy to apply skills. They're counterintuitive, and they they seem to violate social norms. So that's why it's a little tough for people to get it in the beginning until they actually practice it.
1: Well, one Uh, thing I heard from you in the beginning was with the example of the couple going through the divorce proceedings that the husband sobbed saying it was the first time she had heard him. So is that where it begins? Is Letting yeah. someone know you're hearing them. And how do you let a road rage person know you're hearing them?
0: Yeah, but by, by, here's the trick. <laughs> Number one, ignore the words. If you've got somebody in road rage, usually, it doesn't matter whether it's a two-year-old child or an 85-year-old elderly parent. Ignore the words. The words have no information that's going to be meaningful to you in that time. And if you listen to the words, all they're going to do is trigger you and make you angry or upset or scared. So you ignore the words. You pay attention to the emotional experience that the person's having in that moment, and usually it's going to be anger or frustration or annoyance or sometimes deep fear, sometimes grief. And you simply label the emotion. It's called pathic labeling. You label the emotion by simply saying with a simple you statement, you are angry. You are frustrated. You're annoyed. Um, and that's all you say. And you use a you statement. You don't ask a question. You wouldn't, you wouldn't say, for example, oh, are you angry? And you wouldn't say, what I, hear you, what I think you're feeling is you're angry. You would not use an I statement. You don't ask a question. It's a simple, declarative statement of what you think they're feeling in the moment. And it doesn't matter whether you're right or wrong. Because what's happening at the, in, at the brain level is that you're literally lending them your prefrontal cortex, your executive function of your brain, to allow them to process what they're experiencing. Because in that moment, with that intensive emotion, they cannot do it themselves. And that's what Lieberman showed.
1: Oh, my gosh, I get that. Yeah.
0: When we get really emotional, we can't think. We can't process. All of The emotions are designed to make us pay attention to our environment. We're in rage. All we want to do is lash out and kick or hit somebody or pull a knife or put out a, take out an AK-47 and shoot somebody. We can't process it. So when somebody else comes in and just affect labels in the, way that, in the skill that I've developed, what we're really doing is helping them process through that emotion, and it's amazing how fast it works.
1: So does that first step... Go ahead.
0: All right, so 90 seconds is all it takes.
1: Well, is it that first step of saying you're angry? Is that the diffuser right there? That's it? Or do you have to follow up a
0: little bit? Well, you follow up because what happens is emotions come in layers. So there are five layers. It starts with anger and frustration, and then usually goes to people, what I call dignitary feelings, disrespect, injustice, it's unfair, stuff like that. And below that is going to be fear fighting you're scared below that is going to be grief and sadness and then below that is going to be loss of love and abandonment and that's it's the abandonment thing the feelings of abandonment of being unlovable that's where all this stuff starts with and i've taken i've taken guy inmates who are tatted up murderous in a group of a of hundred inmates and I've, I've reduced them to tears in in less than a minute wow because i i hit their core issues By the way.
1: And these are pretty much universal human issues.
0: If, you've got it, if you're a human being with a human brain, this works. Now, there are cultural differences, but the cultural differences are really superficial. The human brain will respond to this technique, these techniques, exactly the same anywhere in the world, because all human brains are basically designed the same way.
1: So what's interesting to me is that, you know, you've said, make this statement, you are angry or you are frustrated, not I think you're angry, I think you're frustrated. So someone has been heard, you know, that's, I get that, that they they feel someone is acknowledging them, but how, how do you, I mean, so it's really volatile. Let's just say your teenager comes home and they are just furious. Wait and uh, you uh, uh, say, right. you are furious, Is that does right? that mean they're going to be like, you're right, and I'm going to do my homework and go no, clean my gonna, room? <laughs> uh,
0: no, 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 no. What's going to happen is, that, you're damn right, I'm furious, and I mean, they're going to come right back at you with, with uh, something, great intensity. But if they, here's the thing with teenagers, as long as they don't walk away, it doesn't matter what their response is, you ignore the words, and you just reflect back what they're feeling in that moment. And so you're really annoyed, you're furious, you're, you're enraged, you're angry. You keep Keep affect labeling, keep labeling those emotions until one of the four things are going to happen automatically and unconsciously. One, there's going to be a verbal response like, yeah, that's right, you know, really within a disrespectful tone, usually. Two, there's going to be a dropping of the shoulders, you're going to see a big sigh, and, and you're going to see a relax, the whole body's going to relax. And these are all unconscious, involuntary responses to what's happening in the brain when... People are being deeply hurt. Teenagers, it works beautifully. You can affect label a teenager who's sulking, you know, the typical 14-year-old boy who's hanging his head, won't respond, barely gives you grunts. I've had teachers take these kinds of kids in high school classes and affect label them and completely turn around those kids because they are so frightened. They want to connect. They're afraid to to connect. They don't know how to connect. They don't know how to manage their emotions. They don't know how to process what they're feeling. You're providing them processing power for them to do that on their own and it over time not much time with reputations of epic labeling it completely changes the way they see themselves in their lives so it's it, kind of teenagers two-year-olds, two-year-olds. It's fantastic
1: it's kind of focused kindness and compassion
0: it is it is a it is teaching people how to actually do compassion right you know everybody says we need to be empath- empathetic or empathic. We need to show compassion to people. Everybody says, this is what you should do, but nobody teaches you how to do it. This technique, this is what we say in prison, we don't teach you what to do, we teach you how to do it. And these skills, this is how you do it, step by step by step. And this is what you look for, and this is what you say, and this is how you respond when people come at you and it's amazing how it works. It's pure magic.
1: It, it it's I, I am, you know, just in our brief conversation, I'm, I'm getting it around the edges and really intrigued to read and learn more. Again, the book is called De-Escalate, How to Calm an Angry Person in 90 Seconds or Less. Now, Douglas, let me ask you. So I understand if your teenager comes home or if you walk into a situation and the inmate is, you know, riled up. But what about in an argument with your spouse? And you're both riled up. Is it just self-control to be like, okay, I'm going to be the bigger person?
0: uh, That's right. You have to be the adult in the room. You have to decide in that moment that it's more important that your spouse be heard than that your needs be met. Because your needs are not going to be met by this technique. You have to. But as I tell people, especially I give a lot of talks around political polarization. How do you talk to somebody? Yeah. Okay. Same basic idea. You're going to affect label them, get them calmed down. That doesn't mean that you are going to be vindicated or validated in the conversation, but what it does mean is that if you can get the other your spouse calmed down, then you have a chance at going in and doing some problem-solving. And what I tell couples is I say, you know, learn the skills together. Practice the skills on each other. You get the greatest gift in the world when you can listen another person into existence using these techniques. Mm-hmm. So, so many people don't feel listened to. They don't feel heard. And they're not being heard at a deep emotional level. And that's what we're finding. And that's why this stuff is so powerful.
1: You know, I... I I think that, um, you know, this is so fascinating and I get how it would be a little bit different if you were in a relationship versus you were faced with a situation. And I recently had somebody on the show that talked about ranking when, it, when you're in a relationship. So again, I'm not talking about your teenager or your coworker or road rage, but in a relationship. So, you know, is this a scale of one to 10? How important is this to me? And if it's, you know, a 10 to your spouse and a two to you, let it go over their direction. And maybe that's some ways, sometimes, you might be like, I'm not going to be the grown-up in this situation. <laughs> I'm not going to de-escalate. He can today, but you know, other days you choose to be the one to de-escalate.
0: But this is and, and as long as both people have the skills, that works really, really well.
1: Right? Exactly. You, you need the skills.
0: You, you need to have the skills. If you don't have the skills, and nothing, then it's you're going to be in these cyclic, cycle, conflict, cycles, spirals. that You're never going to get out of. Yeah. And the only way you can get out of it is to listen to each other's emotions and learn how to do that. This is a skill that is counterintuitive, it has to be taught, it has to be practiced. It's like riding a bicycle. We have the ability to do it, but it's not innate. We have to learn how to do
1: it. Well, I think it's a skill worth having. And you can go to douglasnoll.com and find the book, De-Escalate, How to Calm an Angry Person in 90 Seconds or Less. And you, too, can learn this skill set to take care of that teenager, that co-worker, that spouse, and hopefully not that inmate lifer in prison. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know,
0: we work, we work in, in- pretty dark places in prisons but there is not an inmate yet of the thousands that i worked with over the seven years that have not responded to all of this in amazing ways to transform their lives and most importantly transform the lives of their families
1: yeah that's amazing that's that's got to feel good well thank you douglas for joining us today lots of great information i'm very inspired and uh thanks again for
0: letting us know thank you amy Stick around for another helping from Amy's Table on Q102. Yeah.